You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Looking for the end zone. We'll get there. Welcome back to season two of Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Oh, Grump, I miss you. It's been so long since we've talked. I know. I hope all of you are having a nice, relaxing President's Day weekend, or you're probably back at work after having a long President's Day weekend. Um, I hope you all got to sleep in. Uh, it's too early to barbecue. Nope, no uh, no day off for me, so. Yeah, I, I'm, I am well rested for my, my four-day weekend. Four-day four weekend? Hell what, yeah. You president, president's week off? No. I uh, took off the Friday before. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I don't get the I don't get uh, President's Day, so to me, it's just a normal weekend. Yeah. Well, is I know I'm not the, I'm, I'm not the only one out there, so I know some of you are well rested and probably cranky that you're coming into work, which is awesome because we're cranky about the state of the fucking Giants defense. Yeah, and that's what we're gonna be discussing today. To, uh... oh, God, yeah, <laughs> the Giants defense. For for all th- for all things, uh, just giants grouching, cranking, and grumping. Um, just search just giants on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, just please, subscribe, uh, download. <laughs> please crank in the uh, privacy of your own home, please. <laughs> no, yeah, not while driving and listening to us. Yikes! Yeah. All right. So last week we went over the state of the roster for the offense, um, free agents, what needs to be done who to prioritize. We're going to kind of run through the same thing with defense and special teams today. Um, and this is this is a little bit more interesting because there is a scheme change. Um, and I've talked a little bit about how James Betcher's 3-4 three, three, is not the same as Bill Belichick's 1987 3-4 defense. Um, but it is still a 3-4, and certain guys probably won't translate. So... I mean, let's dive right into the defensive line where it counts the most, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing you have a guy like a Snacks Harrison to uh, become like your your nose tackle because, God, we need a guy like him. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a couple guys on the defensive line that are going to translate just fine. Uh, the number one guy is definitely Snacks Harrison, and he's signed through for a couple years now. So he's a guy who will suffocate at the nose. Uh, and I think Dalvin Tomlinson, who was drafted last year, can probably do that, but he will also do good in running situations in your, uh, y- you know, probably three technique or, you know, whatever. So that brings up the question of do you resign Jay Bromley? You know, to me, if we, if, if it weren't for the scheme change, I think Jay Bromley is worth resigning. I think, but. He could, he's not going to command a ton of money in the open market. He has shown improvement over the years, and I think in a 4-3 as a three-technique guy who's rushing the passer, he's worth a little bit of money. Um, the three-tech guys are really hard to find, uh, so I think a, a, a two-year deal for a couple million would have been fine. Now that that's the case, that we're into a 3-4, the rushers are going to be more the stand-up guys. Um and I don't think that there's a place for him in the three four that we're about to put into place. Yeah. Um, so I feel pretty comfortable so far with what we have. You know, I, again, I wouldn't waste my money on Bromley and see where we go. 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry too much about Bromley. Uh, there's a couple things that do worry me. You know, JPP, I don't know how he's going to function in a 3-4. I assume he's going to be, you know, the five-technique defensive end. And I think he could probably do okay with that. He He's... He's good against the run, but I don't know how strong he is at the point of attack that he's going to be commanding double teams on him. I wasn't too pleased how he played in the 4-3 last year. Now going to a 3-4 is going to worry me a little more. Yeah. Um, You know, this is sort of a bummer. I thought Avery Moss had a promising year. I don't think he's going to translate to a 3-4 either. I mean, he might be another guy who's going to be that 5-tech defensive end, but I, I I don't know. He just, to me, he looks like a 4-3 D end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, he's signed through, so I, I don't think they're dumping him or anything like that. But I just uh, I, I think that he's pretty much being played off the roster. Yeah. The interesting thing to think about as we move to linebacker is we have six guys that are free agents that are linebackers that are on the last year's roster. Yeah, and the, there's only three that are signed through, and they're not impressive names either. Yeah, I mean, this is going to require a complete overhaul. But I guess, you know... Now that we're changing schemes, this might be the time to do it where people that aren't good fits are just, you know, we don't have to waste years in cap money on guys that are just not part of the future. Yeah, exactly. And I, I did see this tweet from, from a Giants fan, not like some big notable media guy, but they were excited about switching to a 3-4 because finally we would have to address the linebacker position. We didn't have a choice. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I mean – for me, I'll just run through the free agents that are there and who is still signed, and then we can kind of get into priorities and stuff like that. So the guys that are still signed are B.J. Goodson, a fourth-round pick from two years ago, showed some promises inside linebacker, middle linebacker. Calvin Munson was a guy that they really liked, another inside linebacker guy, more of a off the bench kind of guy. And Curtis Grant, same story with him. As far as the free agents go... Devon Kennard, outside linebacker. Keenan Robinson, outside linebacker. Jonathan Casillas, outside linebacker. Kelvin Shepard and Mark Herzlick, both inside guys. And Deontay Skinner, another inside guy. Um, I don't know. where. where is there anybody you're, you're thinking about prioritizing to keep? That's quite a motley crew you just, you just uh, listed when you, you know, list them out like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I mean, Kennard was kind of peak and valley-ish in his career at the Giants. He had that one year he was hurt really bad, but you know he showed real promise. Like his most of his promise was early on in his career. Uh, I don't know. I, this is really a group if they just swept them all under the rug and started fresh, I wouldn't shed any tears. The question is, where are you going to find all these guys to do it? And you're you're completely regelling a whole different unit. So. This is definitely going to be a, a, a tough transition year, regardless of where it goes. Yeah, and, and you know, so a couple things. This 3-4 does not necessarily mean that there's going to be four linebackers. I mean, this is still probably going to be a predominantly nickel-based defense. Um, mm-hmm. There's a chance that they're going to move a safety into that fourth linebacker position, and it, it, what you would call a nickel but really is still a rundown. I mean, you, you might have and, – and I'm – it's any one of them. I mean, Landon Collins, Andrew Adams, Nat Burhe, all good in the box. All of them. So, I mean, on a rundown, having a nickel-based defense is still not a, a, a travesty. So there's not a need to get four every-down linebackers. So don't think that when you think 3-4 defense. 
Yeah. What this will mean is the pass rushers are going to be three fours. And to me, the only pass rusher in this group is Devon Kennard. And I don't think he had a bad year last year. Again, like you said, he he was he had a good rookie year and then he was kind of hurt a couple of years. But I thought last year he was pretty good on a otherwise lackluster defense. Let me ask you something. With Alex Smith coming into the division and you have Dak Prescott in the division and, you know, Carson Wentz, does that how much does that play into the type of linebackers and stuff you're going to need? You know, even even in the the three four, because you have guys that are kind of, you know, they can do a lot with their feet as well as with their arms. I think it's going to do a lot more with what the safety does, in my opinion. So when you talk about Dak Prescott, Alex Smith in this division, and we're not going to get into Carson Wentz because I think he's a different guy, right? Right. Okay. So for Dax, Dak Prescott and Alex Smith, you're looking at guys who are not downfield passers. Uh, they're not accurate downfield, uh, and they both get rattled in the pocket. Um, they're both a little bit of runners. Um, you know, Alex Smith played a lot of the option in Kansas City and in Utah. Dak Prescott, you know, tends to move on his feet. Is a little bit more like Tim Tebow style runner, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so what what you have there is you're going to have a lot of plays where the running back you're going to run a lot more. Um, you're going to throw to the running back more in sort of bubble screens and like the the little checkdowns and tight ends. So, but but again, they also get rattled in the pocket. So you want guys who can cover out of the backfield and tight ends, and you want guys who can rush the pass passer. And disguise it, which is what this defense does. James Betcher is very big on disguising his defense. So what that means to me is that you don't need two deep safeties all the time. You can bring a guy down to blitz or cover the tight end. So to me, this is more about moving the safety, which again, like I said, could be that fourth linebacker or what what have you. But it, I think it affects more the safety than it does the linebackers. I'm, I'm no genius, but I mean that's how I read it. <laughs> Smarter than I am, so I'll, I'll buy it. <laughs> but again, to me, you know, Keenan Robinson's a guy who is really good at as a coverage linebacker. He's a tall guy, he's fast, and he moves his hips well. The guy just can't stay healthy, and I, I think right. you know that the chances of be, resigning him are below zero. Yeah, we're not going to take a risk on a guy who can't stay on the field and pay more money and stuff. So. Um, I, I mean, I think B.J. Goodson is – they're going to try and keep him as the cog in the middle. Uh, they'll need to add another inside guy, I think. For sure. I, I mean, to me, this is a mess, the linebacker spot. I mean, it was a mess without the scheme change. It's just a mess. Um, and it's is, probably is, – is, is, is linebacker a bigger concern to you than offensive line? We talked about that last week. Overall. Overall, yeah, because I think I think that there were competent pieces on the offensive line, and I'm not sure. But first of all, there's there's nothing on, in the linebacker spot. I mean, people are going to have to be resigned, plain and simple. You don't have competent guys that are just returning that you can get by with. There's nobody returning. Right. You have you have a guy who you hoped can take the inside linebacker spot and played the middle last year, and he was good when he was in, but he wasn't in the whole year. And then you have two backups. That's it. That's all that's signed. So I'm way <laughs> more concerned about the linebacker spot, and I. I think we had said this a couple weeks ago is don't be surprised if the draft addresses more the defense than the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Even with an offensive minded coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be uh, interesting. But don't forget uh, the, uh, the GM is still the GM and he's going to do what's best for the team. Right. So, 
Yeah, I mean, I, is there anybody that you would want to re-sign from this Motley crew? I would say probably Canard of anybody, just for you know being around longer and just have, you know the higher upside he had at one time. But I'm not really excited about any of them. Yeah, I think if Casillas were younger, I'd I'd think so, but he's just not. Uh, you know, I don't know. The defensive back situation is still interesting, also. Um, so, I, I guess the the big thing is, what are you doing on the outside opposite Janoris Jenkins? So, signed through next year, DRC and Eli Apple, who is a free agent that performed well, was Ross Cockrell. So, so I don't know what what are you doing? Are we thinking that Eli Apple's back next year? I think it's hard to cut a guy in his third year that has such good physical traits. I mean, I know that it's just so weird to me because, I mean, do you think that him and Landon Collins can ever really be good teammates again? Well, can, I mean, I mean, I don't make. Probably, he's probably thanking his lucky stars there's a whole new coaching staff because if there's the old coaching staff, I think he'd be gone. Yeah, so I would agree might, with that. He, he, might, he might get a little bit of a, okay, it's a clean slate, let's start over type of thing, but. I don't know how long that's going to last. To be very honest, I, I I don't know. Do you I do you think he's back? I I just think that you can't get rid of a guy in his third year. I think, you know, well, it's kind of like a similar situation with a guy like a Reuben Foster. Oh, yeah. The Forty Niners. I mean, it's his third year, also, right? I mean, granted, yeah. his, his problems are more legal than they are with him, but. That well, he's a third year and he's promising. I think that kind of goes out the window if he's just not a fit or he's a problem. And I definitely think you know, while you have the same type of issues that Ruben Foster, the guy's a problem. He's yeah. obviously he's a problem in the in the clubhouse or in the locker room. And we're not talking an all pro who's causing problems. We're talking about a guy that has struggled. So the decision the decision has to be made where they're going to keep him or not to see. What they're going to do, you know, for um, for cornerback, he will be a huge cap hit if he's if he's cut. I mean, you're looking at nine million dollars. I, I just that's why he probably gets a, that's a second strike for him. I guess you know, again, he gets a reset with the new coaching staff. He would be a lot of money to cut, but you know, he's and, on his ninth life. Yeah, I, I I would say that he gets at least next year. How much he plays, how much he factors into their plans, I don't know. Um, but remember, this is a whole new defense with a whole new defensive coach, whole new everything. Right. So, you know, whatever. I mean, th- then you have the DRC situation. Um, is Rogers Camardi able to play the outside for the whole year? Does he switch to safety? Do they even keep him? I mean, he's due six million next year. The cap hit was only two million if he goes. Can he stay healthy? Yeah. How old is he going to be? He's 31. Okay. It's getting a little long in the tooth. For, it is. For, for, the for the corner, yeah. Um, You know, that factors in as well. And then, you know, Ross Cockrell played pretty well. I think he was tied for the, the team lead in interceptions, and he didn't even play that much in the beginning of the year. He's a free agent. Do you resign him? I think he's he's an example of the money's right. I think you do. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Money being right, meaning money being light. <laughs> yeah. 
Dr. Seuss over here. Yeah. Um, I think I think given the instability at linebacker, I think it's important that I don't think he's going to command a ton of money in the open market, and I think that re-signing him gives some. By stability, I mean like not a liability on the outside, and I don't think he'll be a liability. I think not re-signing him and leaving potentially just DRC and Eli Apple on the outside. We have one guy who you know may for all we know walk out on the team in the middle of the year and another guy who might go down injured in the middle of the year who also for you know don't forget was suspended at one point last year for conduct uh it leaves a major hole on an otherwise strong group so i think re-signing cockrell to a team-friendly deal if possible is optimal solution and of all the guys we've talked about on defense that are priorities i think he's right up there with canard so for all of the you know, over the last two weeks, we've discussed a lot of different positions, you know, position groups, a lot of, well, depends on this, depends on that. In your opinion, what is going to be the first domino that's going to fall? What do you think if you if you were to read the mind of Dave Gettleman, what do you think he's going to address first? And how much resources will he allocate towards that? When it comes to signing outside guys, signing positions, yes. or re-signing people? I think uh, – well, let's start with um, re-signing our own guys and then going out into the, uh, you know, the open market. <sighs> re-signing our own guys, I can't imagine that Justin Pugh is not the most important. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be the first domino to fall, does it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes these little ones are the easy ones, like a canard who has been up and down if they feel like they want him. He doesn't really want to go anywhere else. He wants to prove himself in a 3-4. They can get him for a cheap amount and get it out of the way quickly. Um, that may be the first domino to fall is somebody like Ross Cockrell, Devon Kennard. Um, or, you know, DJ Fluker, you know, somebody like that. Um, I still think that the, the biggest priority is going to be Justin Pugh. As yeah, far as I, outside guys go, I think it's got to be somebody either in the linebacker group or defensive line group that fits more into the system that James Betcher is going to want to put in place. Yeah, I think I agree with you on both counts, I think. I think they'll try to go in-house and try to keep Pew, and then they'll look, they'll look on the defense for you know that, that splash signing. I mean, people are very quick to say, well, they they – they attack the defensive line all in one shot. Now they go with offensive line, but the cap money is just not there to do that. You're not going to make wholesale changes. It's going to have to be very surgical, in, you know, in the, these signings that they do do. Yeah, do do do. Uh, th- I guess the only other thing on defense I really want to talk about, um, and th- is uh, extending Landon Collins. How important is that? Maybe not this off season, but in general. I mean. As far as I see it, the guy seems like the franchise guy in the defense. His face is everywhere. He's important. He sells jerseys, and he's a two-time pro bowler. He's also the guy who kind of spoke up with this whole thing too with Eli Apple. You know, he kind of he kind of became like the you know the voice of the giant player during this whole thing. So, uh, do you see right. that as a negative thing? I think that's a positive. Okay, I, I was going to say I think that's a good thing. No, that's absolutely a positive. I think we've been complaining for the last couple of years. We don't know who the leaders of this team are due to the youth, due to all the uh, the free agent moves. You know, nobody's really set up himself as a leader. I think this is the one guy that's naturally risen 
the top to become the leader of this team. So yeah, I think uh, sometimes you have to overpay for you know those attributes that not necessarily go to the stat sheet. I I mean I do think they go to the stat sheet. I mean he's definitely not you know the greatest safety of he's not Sean Taylor much as he might be his idol but he's you not know, many people were <laughs> exactly but but i mean he is a two-time pro bowler in in two years is a fantastic feat um i think a lot of teams i think 30 teams in the league would like to have him mm-hmm. uh i think extending him would be a really re- uh, there's a couple things that i don't know that we're really in this dire straits but it's a fan-friendly deal. The guy sells jerseys. The guy is – I don't know anybody who doesn't like Landon Collins. Yeah, but I don't think that's that big of a deal though. I mean I mean it's a big deal for shitty teams like the Browns and you know the Jets. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're not necessarily there yet. But I mean you know, you've been in the stadium with me. It's, the grumblings yeah. over the last couple of years have grown louder and louder. Yeah, but for every Collins jersey you see, you see five uh, Eli's and six – Beckham ones too, so I don't mean that. I just mean in general. It's it's not like there's been new grumblings last year. It's been the same ones getting louder and louder every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean the team went so far as to put out a letter that they were going to turn things around. Yeah. Whether it was, you know, I guess guys pretending to pee in the end zone, uh, guys beating their wives, or and just just shitty <laughs> and losing and seasons and everything in the middle, and just yeah, bad performance on the field too. Um, you know, Drew Brees got a mega contract after the Bounty Gate scandal. Uh, some of that was to save face. Yeah, but I think the the average football fan, not the one who does podcasts, the average fan, I think, identifies with a quarterback more than they do with oh, sure a safety. You know, a face of a franchise is going to be, you know. An offensive player, most likely your quarterback or a guy like Beckham. I mean, there's very again, there are anecdotal evidence of other teams having that guy in the defense being your man, like Von like Miller, a, a Deion, a Von Miller, even going back in time, like a Deion Sanders type of guy. But that's few and far between. Yeah. And as much as we like Landon Collins, he's not at that level. Those other guys are no performance and popularity. No, I I, I mean. It was just an added thing for me. I, I I do think he's a fan favorite, and it's you know one of those things that sure. ownership might be like, hey, what are we doing about him? But, but you know something, there's one thing that Bill Belichick does not care about when he's constructing his roster and allocating free agent money. It's fan favorite, sure. or lock or locker room favorite, or coach favorite. Yeah. So something something to keep in mind if you see something surprising that if you know. Two three years down the road, he's not retained for whatever. I think they'll do everything they can to resign him. Obviously, but yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so special teams: all three guys, Aldrich Rosa, Zach Diossi, and Brad Wing are signed through. Uh, what do you, what do we feel about Lucky. that? Oh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. Uh, I think Rosas has another year to kind of prove himself. I think you know, he was up and down. I I think he's shown enough to keep him another year and see what happens. I mean, did he really cost us anything last year by being erratic? I don't think we were ever close enough for him to ruin it. Yeah, I think you see what you got with him after another year. You know, don't have to worry about having to look over your shoulder in a training camp battle like he did last year. 
you know, he now knows how to kick a giant stadium. He, he understands the pressure of kicking the NFL. You know, if we're having this conversation next year, I'd say he'd probably be gone. But I think he's earned a second year. Uh, Brad Wing sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the more the pressure's on, the, the, you know, the less effective he is. And he's not a babe in the woods rookie. He's been around a while now. And there are millions of kickers out there you can pluck off the streets and do at least what he did right now. Zach Diossi, long snaps till his arms come off. Yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm going to agree with most of everything you said. Uh, Zach Diossi, I think until he's telling the coaching staff that he's banged up and he doesn't know if he's going to play next year, you don't worry about it. Um, Brad Wing didn't play well last year. Um, had his moments the year before. It's not enough for me. And I think that we go into a training camp battle. Uh, oh, competition is good. I have no problem with, with training camp battle. I mean, there's there's a shot that he can win it. I, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know that you just you, – you, he was so bad that you're just throwing him away. I mean, he wasn't good. Mm-hmm. But – you know, a lot wasn't good last year. Uh, so yeah. um, I think there's a training camp battle there. And I'm going to say the same thing. with This is where I agree, disagree with you is Aldrich Rosas. I, I, I think you're in a training camp battle again. I, I I understand that everything he went through and, you know, it's not easy to kick a giant stadium and the pressure's on and all that stuff. But there were just too many missed extra points, just barely getting field goals. I didn't see it. The, this big leg that everybody was talking about, I didn't see kickoffs going out the back of the end zone. I And – to his credit, we don't know if that's a Tom Quinn thing because Josh Brown was never doing that. We were told how big his leg was. Lawrence Tynes was never doing that. We were never kicking out the back of the end zone. And for some reason, it's so easy for everybody else in the league now that we've moved the kickoff to the 35. So it may have been a Tom Quinn thing. I, I, I will concede that. But the missed extra points, there were just too many for me. I mean that, that yeah. Kansas City game went into overtime because of a missed extra point. That's true. Yeah. So I think I, we I, I, I think we have two battles to watch in in uh, training camp. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think on opening day 2018 that both these kickers will be starting? It's certainly possible. They could both win them. Uh, there's a reason that Wing was traded for. There's a reason that they were comfortable with Roses last year. They have attributes. Uh, they. But here's the thing. You said they. Different uh, regime now. Well, agreed. Um, but what I'm saying is the skills the it's not the same as picking a guy who works in an offense or who works in a defense. I mean, the general idea for kicking and punting is the same, no matter where you are. So mm-hmm. these these skills are transferable. So these guys have the stuff. Whether they can do it consistently is really the thing. And testing the patience of a new regime so if they can win their training camp battles because i don't think either of them is outright cut um if they can win their training camp battles sure there's certainly a chance that they could both do it do i think it's likely no i think it's probably one of them um in order of likelihood it's one of them none of them or both of them that's that's how i, I have, see it my gut feeling tells me that brad wing will be cut you really think so I think so. I Outright think before enough. before training camp? I think so. I think I think this organization's had enough of him, to be very honest. Okay. And again, punters kinda grow on trees too, so of, of course. I, I'm not debating that. Yeah. 
Yeah, the special teams will not be the in my opinion will not be the same. There's a chance, thank, I doubt it. Thank Christ. <laughs> but again, don't forget how much Tom Quinn has had. So Brad Wing had said in the media when answering a question that some of his low line drive kicks were not accidents. Now I find it hard to believe that any punter has the leeway. Any any punter under the age of forty has the leeway to just decide how he feels like kicking the ball. So, I again, Tom Quinn has been on my shit list for years and a lot of Giants fans' shit list for years. Seems like it's seems like it's going back to Dan Reeves and we were complaining about Tom Quinn. Yeah. So, I, I, I'm not sure we'll see the exact same Brad Wing, Aldrich Rosas in the – in training camp, so I, I, this is these are reasons why I'm not on the just cut everybody thing. Uh, oh, I'm not saying that's my move. I'm saying my gut instinct. Yeah, I, I, I just I feel like there's going to be competition brought in, whether it's through the, not not necessarily the draft, but you know what I mean that that post draft scramble for UFAs, right, um, right, or you know who you're, who trade or whatever. Who you're lining up your who you're lining up for your competition for fall camp. Yeah. Yeah, both of these guys both deserve competition, and they will get it. Well, shit, man, that's that's a whole other episode in the in the books. There, I hope you guys had a great uh, President's Day weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think we've over the last two weeks we've done a pretty good job. I think of kind of saying let's start our review, and here's you know decisions that need to be made on what we could potentially be losing, and I think we've kind of outlined that and. The next step in the process will be starting to break down position by position, you know, what's out there. If yep. we're going to part ways with some of these guys have been with the Giants for one or more years. And now we'll look at what the potential alternatives are, either via the free agent market or with the draft. Absolutely. So that's that's that starts our offseason fun leading up to the draft is we're going to kind of go through what the free agent market is position by position and the what the, the draft pool contains. So. Next week, we'll dive right into probably the most hotly uh, talked about spot is the quarterback spot. It always is. It'll be no different this week. Yeah. So, you know, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at football underscore grump. I am always grumping. But I am – now that we are in in prime offseason, I will be giving more in-depth takes on my position groups from the draft. So follow me there. I talk a lot about that stuff, and the show is always on at Just Giants Pod, always being bumped there. You will find me as always at the Cranky Fan, and you can find the show on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, subscribe to us in either location, and be sure and give us a five star rating and a nice sappy review. The more sappy reviews we get, the more Giant fans will find out about us, and the more we can engage with you on social media and maybe even get you on the show sometime so yeah that would that would be great um yeah yeah that i'm i'm excited for this off season it's gonna be fun uh we'll see you next week these off seasons are more fun to talk about when you suck because you know you really are digging deep into what was wrong and how do we rebuild. So this would be more, I think this would be an interesting off season for the show where we're really dissecting everything and how do we correct and make things better. So yeah, there's I'm a excited. zillion directions we can go in and we're going to break them all down. Break them down, brother. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Go Giants.